Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart, the most listened to internet radio show in the nonprofit sector dedicated to helping your charity succeed. It's no secret that combining online and offline techniques is the key to modern-day fundraising success, and practical advice is what you need. The Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart is the perfect landing point to learn from experts around the world who provide advice you can use. Ted Hart is without a doubt one of the foremost nonprofit thought leaders. Also a successful author, his books range from successful online fundraising to the use of social media and how to make your nonprofit green. Guests on The Nonprofit Coach are leaders in their field who share tips and trade secrets for nonprofit management and fundraising success. Ted lectures around the world, but now he's here for you. From the latest in charity news, technology, fundraising, and social networking, Ted and his guests help you and your organization move to greater levels of efficiency and fundraising success. This is a live call-in show. Add your voice by calling 347-324-3080. After the show, you can find all our podcasts at tedhart.com. Click on Radio. Don't forget to dial 347-324-3080. Now, welcome the host of The Nonprofit Coach, Ted Hart. And welcome back to this latest edition of The Nonprofit Coach. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, We've got another really uh, terrific show uh, for you planned uh, today. As the announcer said, this is a live call-in show, so feel free to call in at 347-324-3080. You also can join us over in the chat room. I see some folks over there. You can ask questions in the chat room, or as always, you can email me your questions at tedhart at tedhart.com. As always here on The Nonprofit Coach, we start with page one news. Page One News, we uh, actually have Gabe Cohen uh, here with us live here on the Nonprofit Coach. Uh, Gabe is the Media Outreach Manager at GuideStar, and he is with us for the GuideStar Minute. Welcome back to the Nonprofit Coach, Gabe Cohen. Hey, Ted. How are you today? Hey, Gabe. I am doing uh, great. I really wanted to uh, say thank you for uh, all the uh, wonderful uh, uh, efforts that you've put into the nonprofit uh, coach and the Guide Star Minute. And I want to hand it over to you to uh, uh, bring us up to date on what's happening over at Guide Star. Absolutely. And I, I wanted to start today by thanking you for the uh, spirited discussion that you guys had last month with uh, the three authors of the Overhead Myth Letters. I very much enjoyed it myself, myself and I hope your audience did as well. Well, I have to say it was really wonderful. One of the most popular shows uh, we've had uh, so far 
uh, in the last uh, about six months. Uh, not surprisingly, to have uh, Art Taylor, Jacob Harold, and Ken Berger all on the same show. I know that was no small feat for our producer, uh, Diane Peach, to get all those folks together. But, wow, when uh, they're here talking about the overhead myth, they did a great job, didn't they? Absolutely. I, I could listen to the three of them talk all day, but uh, that might just be me. I'm a little bit weird that way. <laughs> well, it's also a really um, important topic that I'm glad that they've decided to uh, make a, a point of uh, uh, helping everybody understand. So since you brought that up, I'll just remind everybody uh, that you can listen to the podcast of uh, the fantastic uh, show that live was uh, live uh, two weeks ago uh, called The Nonprofit Coaching Overhead Myth with Art Taylor Jacob Harold and Ken Berger, and that is available for free. Uh, download for iPad or iPod, and you can listen to it live online at tedhart.com. So, thank you for uh, the little advertisement there for one of our most popular <laughs> podcasts. Uh, now, I'll hand it over to you for updates from GuideStar. <laughs> Thanks, Ted. Uh, so, we're, we're really excited. We have a great webinar coming up here at GuideStar uh, in just a, uh, a few days, and it's going to kick off our 25. 2015 webinar schedule. Uh, two of the sector's leading experts in social media and fundraising, Beth Cantor and Andrea Kilstedt, are going to be joining GuideStar for an exclusive webinar. Um, and it is about uh, meeting strategies. Not, not the craziest topic ever, but we're really excited to have them, and it's, it's, an, it's an important thing to discuss. Uh, Beth is going to start off the webinar by talking about my favorite type of meeting, the walking meeting. She's going to talk about why it's important uh, to have walking meetings, how to integrate it into your work meetings, and the various tools and techniques that can help you do it well. Uh, in the second half of the webinar, Andrea is going to discuss uh, the skills that you need to hold effective meetings in today's wired world. Uh, you'll learn more about common pitfalls to avoid and powerful fascinating tips that will make your meetings engaging, productive, and fun. That webinar is going to take place this Thursday, February 12th, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, and I encourage your listeners to register by going to npo.gs backslash npkickstart. Uh, again, that's npo.gs backslash kickstart, and we're real excited. We hope that uh, your audience can join us for that. Well, the that's, that's next thing uh, like a really important topic. Sorry. I'm just wondering if uh, uh, you can share with us the overall arching sort of strategy uh, for GuideStar getting into these kinds of uh, efficiency and uh, good business practice type webinars. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you really hit it on the head there. We're, we try to help nonprofits be as efficient and also transparent as possible. Um, so our webinar series covers really the gamut, it runs the gamut of different things that nonprofits, uh, the, the challenges that they face on a daily basis. So uh, starting off with something like getting your 2015 meeting scheduled into a new kind of way and a new strategy of thinking about it, we think is a great thing that can help nonprofits on a daily basis. So it will be everything from that to discussions on the overhead myth that we've already talked about, uh, to discussions on social media for nonprofits, really just running the gamut of different things that nonprofits deal with. Well, I think that's a, that's a really smart thing. Uh, and, of course, you've got such a big platform and so many people uh, turn to you for that kind of information. Um, besides the start of uh, your season for your webinar series, uh, what else is new over at GuideStar? 
So we're we're really excited that we're we're also uh, in about two weeks here going to have our first impact call of 2015. Um, as a, a quick recap for your listeners that aren't familiar with them, we started holding impact calls in 2014 on a quarterly basis. And I guess you could most easily compare them to uh, quarterly earnings calls that are held by publicly owned companies. And really the difference is that besides reporting on our financials, the the last quarters, or in this case, the last year's financials, which we do, we also um, discuss programmatic results that we've had from the last year and any campaigns that we have going on. The great part about these calls are that they're timely, interactive, inclusive, comprehensive, and the last thing is that they're really easy to do. So I want to encourage all the rest of the nonprofits out there to think about doing this on their own. Really, four steps that you have to do to set up to to put on one of these um, impact calls is what we call them. You can come up with your own names for them, but. Uh, the first is just to set up a webinar, whatever whatever program you use, whether it's WebEx or GoToMeeting, whatever program you use. The next is just to come up with an itinerary that is engaging with your audience um, and that reports in a really transparent fashion on what has been going on in your nonprofit. The next is to invite your stakeholders. Uh, you can sh- share it through email or social media. However, you really get out there to your stakeholders, you can you can spread the word about this. And the fourth is to make sure to engage them in that conversation, to leave time at the end of it so so that they can ask questions back and and really be a part of that conversation. We really enjoyed these last year. We had over 1,200 attendees from all over the world. We had 43 states represented in the calls um, and and thought that it was just a great way to get real-time feedback from our stakeholders. And hopefully more more people and organizations will start doing this next year. Well, and as I said this last year, and I'm going to say it again, we love the leadership that you're providing um, in not only sort of, you know, preaching, uh, you know, best practices, but actually putting them in place, showing how this can be done, uh, being very transparent and opening yourself up not only to provide important information about GuideStar, uh, but to also uh, answer important questions about the way that you folks uh, uh, do business. So um, I, I love that you're putting the practice uh, in place and that you're actually showing uh, uh, how people can be more transparent uh, and more forthright in the way that they communicate with their audiences. So I agree with you and I applaud your, your effort. Gabe, thank you so much for the GuideStar Minute. Always very informative. Uh, my listeners can find your information at GuideStar.org, and we look forward to having you back next month. Thanks, Ted. I appreciate it. Terrific. Uh, with uh, with that, uh, the uh, we're going to wrap up uh, page one uh, news and get right over to the most important part of the show today, and that is our page two experts. I am so excited to welcome back here to the Nonprofit Coach, Linda Lysakowski, uh, who is president of Linda Lysakowski LLC, is one of just over 100 professionals worldwide who holds the Advanced Certified Fundraising Executive designation, ACFRE. That's something that Linda and I have in common. Uh, She has over 30 years in the development field. She has managed capital campaigns, helped dozens of nonprofit organizations achieve their development goals, 
and has trained more than 27,000 professionals in Mexico, Canada, Egypt, Bermuda, and most of the 50 United States. Really quite a unique uh, expert and uh, has been one of the leading forces in the new Charity Channel Press and all the terrific books that uh, uh, that they have as part of their collection. Many of, uh, or several of them, uh, have been featured here on the Nonprofit Coach. Joining Linda today here on the Nonprofit Coach to talk about nonprofit strategic planning uh, is another foremost expert, Lynn Dean, who is CFRE, currently serves as Director of Institutional Advancement at Northwest Vista College, one of the Alamo Colleges in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, at the Northwest Vista College, she has led teams in two award-winning initiatives, an alumni project entitled Celebrate Vista, and the 2013 employee giving campaign, uh, the Northwest Vista College Cares, I Care. She's immediate past president of the Planned Giving Council of San Antonio chapter of the Partnership for Philanthropic Planning. And most importantly, uh, both Lynn and Linda are live with us here on the Nonprofit Coach. Welcome to the Nonprofit Coach. Thank you. Now, I want to tee this up, uh, Linda. I think well, we'll start with you since uh, you're with Charity Channel Press. This is really quite a unique opportunity that you are providing us, and I'm very excited that you have chosen the nonprofit coach to preview a brand new book that is not even available for purchase yet. I understand it's available uh, for uh, for advanced sale, uh, and then will soon be available for uh, for purchase. And that's a terrific book that you and Lynn have. Uh, uh, written called Nonprofit Strategic Planning, uh, and, and what an important and timely, timely topic. So why don't we start off um, actually with uh, Linda Lysakowski uh, to give us a little bit of background on why this is the next topic, uh, the next title to be released by Charity Channel Press. Okay, Ted, thanks so much. And uh, as you mentioned, I'm very involved with the Charity Channel Press as acquisitions editor, and I'm really excited about this book because as a fundraising consultant, I'm often called in to help people get ready for a capital campaign or start some new endeavor or create a development plan. And often when I ask them if they have a strategic plan, the answer is, a uh, blank stare, or it's, well, we have one somewhere. Let me see if I can find it. Or, well, we did that a couple of years ago because one of our funders wanted one, and uh, we just had to produce one, but they really haven't used it. So I was so excited to hook up with Lynn on this because I was so impressed with her writing and with her experience in the strategic planning area. And Although after my first co-authored book, I swore I wasn't going to co-author a book ever again, it's been a great experience to co-author this one with Lynn because I so much respect her work. Um, but I think strategic planning really gets to the heart and soul of what nonprofits need to do, and so many of them just kind of ignore it or they create a plan, but it sits on a shelf somewhere. So our goal with this book was to make sure that your strategic plan does not sit on a shelf that it actually is a useful tool to take your organization to its next level. And when you talk about the next uh, level, I want to bring uh, Lynn Dean in here. So, Lynn, uh, thank you for, for joining us in this really terrific book. 
um, you make the case that whether you are a nonprofit, your nonprofit is small and struggling in the middle of a growth spurt or large and well-established, you benefit by looking at the future together as board and staff. Well, that, that seems to be quite different than an organization that, that might have a book on a shelf. So can you bring us in a little bit more to this idea of uh, being more proactive in the use of strategic planning tools? Yes, thank you so much. Um, I have really enjoyed writing this book with Linda, and we really had a lot of fun in exploring all the different angles in strategic planning. And I actually facilitated a strategic planning retreat this weekend with a very small nonprofit organization. And we were able to do everything because we used all the tools that we put together in this book. And so strategic planning can be done by small organizations. And I think it's real important that the board and the staff get on the same page. This particular organization had one employee, the executive director. So we brought together the executive director and the board, and we had a very productive day of laying out our strategic plan. Now, what happens if uh, an organization and its board uh, don't have a strategic plan? If they don't have a strategic plan, they really are kind of operating in a crisis management mode. I think the strategic plan takes you out of being crisis managers and into being a proactive organization. And it also has a very positive impact on your sustainability. Well, I could not agree with you more, but as you point out uh, in this book, I, I think that the notion of strategic planning is one that, that almost universally people agree that having some sort of, of plan and, and common uh, roadmap, if you will, into the future makes sense. But but then, so where do you get started? How, how do you actually make this happen uh, without uh, drawing the organization to a screeching halt? Linda, where do you get the buy-in uh, from a board of directors to work as a team in a strategic planning mode? I think that's a, a great question because so many times staff members say, well, you know, getting our board to buy into this won't happen, so we'll just do the, the plan ourselves internally and we don't need to involve the board because they don't have time and they don't really want to buy into this. And when you create a plan that way, it never, ever, ever gets fulfilled because you're expecting board members to do something that they didn't have a part of setting the goals and really obtaining the, the vision for this organization. So I think the the biggest way to get board buy-in is to find one board advocate, and maybe Lynn has some other thoughts on this, but I think getting one board advocate to say, okay, you know, we really need to focus in on getting a strategic plan in place because if you don't have that strategic plan, as Lynn said, you get kind of scattered and you're either in a crisis mode or you're not even in the crisis mode yet. You're just totally disorganized. Um, I also find that one way to get board buy-in is to actually have a strategic planning committee on your board so that there's somebody always going to be driving this process. And a lot of organizations, I have found that one of the duties of the vice president of the board is to lead 
the strategic planning process. That doesn't mean they have to facilitate or anything, but just to make sure that it is happening on a regular basis. And then once you have the plan, it's actually being implemented. So I think having that as a part of someone's job description is a really great idea. Lynn, I don't know if you have any other thoughts on getting board buy-in. Yeah, I think participation is key. And and you're absolutely right that there needs to be a champion, a, a strategic planning champion on the board. That is just a real big plus when you're laying out your strategic plan process. I, well, I you talk about having a I champion. Know. Yeah, I just wanted to jump in and say you talk about, and I don't want to, because you two of you are doing so well together, but I did want to ask about, because I agree you need a champion, but getting a committee together of people who feel like they have any expertise or any capacity, um, I think for a lot of nonprofits that, that's that's sort of a difficult place to start. Is is there a simpler way uh, to get the process started? Sometimes I think if there's if the board can rally around one particular cause and I came to my mind because actually just this morning before this call, I was on the phone with a board member from a very small organization also. They have no staff members and they have nine board members and they want to actually build a new building. They want to do a capital campaign. So this for them is kind of the rallying point that, oh gosh, you know, we need to do some strategic planning so we know what it is we want to build because the board member that I talked to said they have plans, but he wasn't very impressed with them. He thought the plans needed to be on a grander scale, and whether that's doable or not, I think has to be determined. And the only way to really determine that is to get the whole board together and get board buy-in. So I said to him, before we even talk about fundraising, let's talk about getting the board to buy into the vision of the organization. So I think if you have something that can serve as a rallying point, it may not necessarily be a capital campaign. Maybe in some cases it is a crisis that is your your kind of rallying cry that says we wouldn't have been in this crisis if we had a strategic plan. So sometimes, you know, just finding one thing that the whole board can rally around, I I think is a good way to get started. Well, I I agree with you and I and I'm glad that you said that because I I've often felt that um, before you can even get into the strategic planning process, you sort of need to take one step back and make sure that everybody is still on the same page in terms of what the mission and purpose of the organization is, particularly for organizations that have been around uh, for a little while. Uh, sometimes they've drifted or sometimes they've grown, and there is not really a common understanding or agreement in terms of what is the bedrock purpose of that particular charity. That's absolutely right. And I I also feel like reexamining or reviewing the mission, vision, and values of an organization as part of the strategic planning process is really, really helpful. And in in doing that, can can this sort of thing uh, be done with uh, maybe an inspired board chair who serves as champion or uh, can, you know, another board member sort of take the lead on this? Or um, as you mentioned, is it is it sort of vitally important to have a committee? I think 
think the committee is really, really um, a part of it, and it should be the committee should do the the overview and the review. However, I think that the board chair and the and the executive director, the management team of the organization, can really play an important role here. I also find that sometimes it's maybe not necessarily the board chair, but sometimes it's a new board member who has experience on other boards and is accustomed to strategic planning either in a business environment or from their other experience on other boards. And sometimes it's a new board member that is that spark that says, well, where's this organization's strategic plan? And when they can't produce one or if they produce one and it's obviously not up to date or not being followed, that new board member sometimes is the kind of the spark plug that gets the, the ball rolling, so to speak. And you really that's need a that really good point. Uh, go, go ahead, Lynn. That's a really good point, and I think that the new board member can also bring um, can bring a new perspective and also ask really good questions that help to focus the discussion. And sometimes those really smart questions or, or those sort of leading questions uh, can help people come back to a common purpose. Absolutely. We're going to take a a very uh, quick break here on the the Nonprofit Coach. And when we come back, I want to ask my guests, how does a well-written strategic plan help guide the organization's budget priorities and getting the budget process right uh, in the future? So uh, I want to give you an opportunity to think about that, um, but uh, we will be right back after this break. Just a a quick program note, please mark your calendars to join us next Tuesday. Uh, Next Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern, we will have Clint O'Brien, who is the Chief Operating Officer of the software company Engaging Networks. Uh, Clint has been a regular guest here on The Nonprofit Coach. You don't want to miss this opportunity because he always has the most up-to-date information on how you can use online uh, social media services, uh, in this case, to engage an overall network of people to support your organization. Uh, I also want to uh, make a program note for everybody uh, that uh, we do not have a live show uh, here on the 24th, which is uh, two weeks from today. Uh, Hopefully, I will be lecturing at uh, the STEP conference in Boston. I am scheduled to uh, give a lecture there on international grant making, Uh, so hopefully I can get in and out of uh, Boston on February 24th. If you're interested, you can find out more information by emailing me at tedhart at tedhart.com. Every day, millions of people are online, many of whom want to help, volunteer, and donate to a good cause. Nonprofit organizations can use many Google tools to reach potential donors around the world and raise more money. And as an approved nonprofit, it doesn't cost a thing. It's all free. Google Grants helps you promote your website with free advertising on Google.com through the AdWords program. With Google AdWords, you create ads and choose words or phrases related to your nonprofit organization. When people search on Google using one of your phrases, your ad will appear next to the Google search results under the Sponsored Links section. 
AdWords allows you to target certain geographic areas, dates, and times of day for your ads to appear. YouTube for Nonprofits is another tool that can boost donations to your organization. The program offers a number of perks that get your message out there and drive viewers to take action and donate. You can list your organization on YouTube's nonprofit channel and add call to action overlays on your videos to drive viewers to donate. Need help analyzing your website traffic and marketing effectiveness? Google Analytics is a free tool that will give you rich insight and help you increase the number of people that visit and donate to your site. Google Analytics can be invaluable to many people in your organization, such as development directors, marketing staff, and your web team. There are many other tools that can help you reach more donors and raise funds, like Google Checkout, where you can process credit card donations with no transaction fee, Google Sites to create a free website, and Website Optimizer, where you can figure out the best landing pages to turn site visitors into donors. To get started, apply for Google for Nonprofits today. Remember, our podcasts and archives are always available 24 hours a day at tedhart.com. Click on radio links. If you're listening live today, the phone lines are open. Call in and ask a question by dialing 347-324-3080. Now, back to the Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart. And we're back here live with Linda Lysakowski and Lynn Dean with a preview, a very rare opportunity here on the Nonprofit Coach. Uh, to preview a book that will be soon available to you at Charity Channel Press. And uh, Linda, I'm guessing also available on Amazon? Yes, it will be available on Amazon. On Amazon as well. And that is called the Nonprofit uh, nonprofit Strategic Planning. So uh, since we've got the two of you, I wanted to ask you as we come back from the break, um, the relationship between a well-written strategic plan and successful budgeting for your organization. Sure. I think that's a a great question, Ted. I'm glad you raised that issue. And this is why two things are really important in the strategic planning process. One is, as we've already talked about, having the board and staff together on this. And the other one is making sure there's time in this planning process to do prioritization. For example, when you get a staff and board together, let's say at a a retreat to plan uh, the, the goals and and objectives for your organization, staff members who are on the program side usually are not very familiar with the budget, and so they always have lots of ideas and lots of requests. And not not to say these are not good ideas, but we need to expand this program because there are people asking for it in the next county, and we need to do this. Well, it sounds like a great idea because you know the need is there, but can your budget support expanding your program So I think the first part of a planning process is just doing the brainstorming about thinking what your ideal organization looks like, what programs you have, what facilities you have, how many staff people you have. But then reality sets in, and you've got to prioritize. Well, what are the most important things we need? Which is the most important program? Which department really needs staff immediately, and which maybe is is, a department that can hold off for a while until we do expand the programs. So I think that bringing the staff and board together to make sure everybody's on the same page is critical, and then prioritizing, okay, which are the programs that we need to do this year, and that will help us guide this year's budget. So in the planning process, and I think this is where a lot of plans fail. Everybody has great ideas, and they're really good at setting goals and objectives, 
But when it comes down to the nitty-gritty action steps of who's going to do this and when is it going to get done and how much is it going to cost, or if it's a fundraising activity, how much can we realistically raise through this activity? And if those questions don't get answered, those are the plans that end up sitting on a shelf because they haven't been thought through to the point of the budgeting. So the strategic plan is really the ultimate goal and and tool that you can use to develop your annual budget. Lynn, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I totally agree, and I think that the strategic plan is really that roadmap. And as you're goal-setting and prioritizing, this weekend when we were working on the strategic plan for this local nonprofit, we really focused, um, we got all the way into the action steps and realized as we were setting timelines that we were not being realistic in terms of budgeting, in terms of funds that we expected to raise. So it was a it was a really good experience to look realistically at what we could do in the future. What could we do this year? What can we do next year? What can we do in three years? I think that's I think a all- great point, Lynn. One of the things that I find in, that's most challenging about strategic planning is everybody wants to do everything in the next six months. <laughs> and yeah. it's hard to get people to think about long-term goals because you can't do it all in the next six months or even the next year. And I think when it comes uh, to budgeting in uh, future years, um, helping people have that guideline in place going back, as, as, as uh, one of you mentioned, you know, everybody's always got great ideas, you know, grand ideas of things that we should do, and those don't just come up during a strategic planning process, uh, but oftentimes come up, you know, just during a board meeting. And, it, you know, because it's an idea, it might even be a very good idea, you know, the obvious uh, approach is, well, we want this board member to have their say, so we should talk about that. And then, you know, all of a sudden we're rewriting the plans of the organization. We're going in a different direction. The staff is trying to keep up, but also trying to figure out how we're going to fund all of this. Whereas if we have this uh, guideline, this gu- these guideposts in the strategic plan that we've all agreed to, the obvious question can come back from anybody, from the staff or, or from the board, uh, to say, well, that does sound like a great idea. Where does it fit within our strategic plan? And if it doesn't fit within our strategic plan, do we need to alter our plans or uh, do we find new resources? But it, it forces that question rather than, I, I think, what happens with a lot of nonprofits is almost Every idea is a good idea, and we ought to do everything, and we end up watering down and not meeting very many of the goals at all. Right. And I've seen that happen numerous times. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So so the strategic plan you feel really can help protect the organization, almost protect the organization from sort of that, that natural tendency uh, to sort of uh, – uh, priority shift on on a just a, an almost every meeting basis. Right, and I always think that the value of having that written plan is you do have something to back you up. So when you get discussions going, well, we we need to drop everything and do this one activity. You can pull out the plan and see it in writing and say, hey, look, guys, you know we all agreed on this. Um, so if we're not going to follow through with this plan and we want to start some new activity, then what do we have to take out of our existing plan? Because our resources are limited, financial right. resources, human resources. So 
having that written plan to me is the best way to keep organizations from just getting sidetracked and constantly running off and chasing rainbows, kind of, so to speak. I mean, we want you to have that vision and to think creatively, but you also have to have the realistic side of it and say, look, you know, this is how many staff we have, this is how much money we have, we can't do all this this year, so if we're going to start something new, then we have to drop something that's already in our plan and agreed to. And and I think when people see the reality of that, you know, harsh sunlight, yeah, I guess we do. We can't do it all in, in six months. And that can really be uh, a savior for staff who want to be of good service but also um, have to live daily with the limited resources that a lot of organizations have to do their work within. Right. Right. So how does an organization get the expertise to actually put together a uh, a strategic plan. You were talking earlier about, you know, the sort of the six-month window is quite comfortable for a lot of uh, board members, but getting them to think and plan and, and envision an organization beyond uh, that period of time. In reality, in 2015 and, and nowadays, what is the optimum period of time you think a strategic plan could and should actually be written? I think optimally it would take about five to six, five to maybe eight months. You can do it in a shorter time, but I think um, it, it's you use a lot of that time in looking at the organization's operating environment, looking at internal factors and external factors that may impact the future of the organization. So I think that um, that that kind of group meeting and tactical planning, all of that readiness takes a little bit of time. So that that has an impact on the time that it takes for strategic planning. But I think the five to eight month timeline is pretty realistic. And in in completing that, what what period of time do you think a a typical well written strategic plan could cover? Uh, how many years? do you think actually could effectively be envisioned in a strategic plan for most nonprofits? I I personally like the three-year time frame because it's hard to plan out much more than three years. You know, our world is changing so rapidly. And yet if you plan it just for one year, then you're constantly, by the time it's finished and printed and ready to be implemented, you're already starting to think about the next planning cycle. So I think you should think about a three-year plan, but then evaluate it as you go. Evaluate it certainly annually. I I think quarterly is, is the best time to look at your plan and say, are we still on track? And maybe something does need to be tweaked. It's you know, my saying is always that the plan is not written in stone, but neither should it be written in disappearing ink. <laughs> so, you know, you don't right. want to get so rigid. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's, a, very, that's a very good it. point. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm just wondering uh, if, if uh, sort of, a, I always try to, as you know, Linda, boil things down to, uh, you know, really easy to remember guideposts in terms of your planning process. And isn't in general the difference between sort of a, a one-year plan and maybe a, a three- or five-year plan uh, that really a one-year plan is not a strategic plan, but it would be more an operational plan of how you're operationalizing your budget. But three to five years is that out vision 
of where budgets need to go, where programs need to go. I, I think sometimes people get caught up in the notion of strategic planning as, as being something necessarily more grand than a vision and a plan for the future. Yeah, I think that's I think that's very true. And what I find is I might start out with a three-year plan, but there will be a part of it that focuses on the immediate one-year action plan. But you you do have to think at least three years down the road, especially if a, an organization is considering something like a capital campaign. That's a classic example. You can't implement a a capital campaign without doing some of this internal analysis, external analysis, conducting a planning study, engaging an architect, looking at land, all of those things take an inordinate amount of time. So if you're going to be thinking about a capital campaign, you can't think about it and say we're going to start that campaign in the next six months because it probably isn't going to be successful. You really do need to think well in advance for things like that, for expansion programs and and capital projects and things like that. So you do need to think long term. But I think you're right that, you know, that one year action plan is important too, that you can really get down to the, the nitty gritty of how we're going to implement the first year's plan one year at a time. And and I wonder, um, Lynn, uh in 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 putting you know that uh, that that document together, if uh, if your book is written sort of through the prism of uh, a strategic plan, assuming uh, some sort of capital campaign or assuming uh, uh, a uh, an acceleration of fundraising, um, is is that sort of the backdrop to this book? I don't think it's necessarily assuming that there's a, a big major fundraising initiative in under consideration. I think it's just really written for the organization that needs to get a handle on its future, that needs to come together and reach consensus on where they want to go in the future and develop a common vision. I think that's really that's really where we started from. Okay. We do have we a chapter that talks about the relationship between strategic planning and fund development planning because they do go hand in hand, but I agree with Lynn. It's not really written with the assumption that it's going to be expanded fundraising, but in my personal experience, most of the time when I work on strategic plans with nonprofits, there are two areas that always seem to surface, and that is fundraising and board development. Those two issues always seem to come up, and I think – they're an important part of your strategic plan. We do, uh, ladies, we do have a, a, a email question uh, that uh, has come in from Mary, and she is wondering what realistically can be accomplished in a one-day board retreat? Well, I think that's a great question. You you certainly won't complete a plan in a one-day retreat. What I have found really works well is you know, doing some of that pre-work first that Lynn mentioned, you know, the internal analysis and the external environmental analysis, and then having a first retreat where the board and staff come together and just look at basic things like mission, vision, values, goals. What is it that we hope that our organization looks like 10 years from now or 20 years from now, even though your plan isn't going to cover those that length of time, you still want to start thinking about the future of the organization. 
And then once those goals are established, um, then working groups can be appointed to go back and work at certain things. Maybe, for example, since we've talked about a capital campaign, maybe there's a working group that looks at facilities, and maybe there's another working group that looks at programs. And then I find often coming back for a second retreat is good because this the second retreat can be where you prioritize everything because people have done their homework, they've come back and said, well, you know, if we decide we want to add this program, it's going to cost us X number of dollars and we're going to hire have to hire X number of staff people. So having that second retreat I think is really important where then you can prioritize what are the things that you really can accomplish in the next three years and what are the things that maybe you need to put on the shelf for now and think about later. So you can accomplish a lot in a one-day retreat, but you certainly can't complete a whole plan in that one-day retreat. So is this uh, sort of backing up to the the notion that you just brought up to Mary's question, um, is this an open discussion that you need to have with your board that there is essentially an open-ended, ongoing series of retreats, that this is really not... Uh, sort of a, uh, an episode uh, for a board, but is it an annual sort of thing? Is it every six months? Is is that sort of, you know, retreating or getting away from normal board activities that important? I think at least once a year you should do it. Probably you won't get your board together unless you're really in the throes of a strategic plan. Um, but once the plan is completed, then I do think an annual retreat is always a good idea where the board can take a step back and, and think about more strategic things than the day-to-day things that come up in board meetings. Because at board meetings, you can't get into a lengthy discussion on strategy or revision or anything like that. So I think an annual retreat is a good idea. But during this planning process, you'll probably need at least two retreats. I usually don't find that I need much more than about two. I don't know, Lynn, what your experience has been in that area. Well, I think sometimes you can do it in one. Uh, I will say that I used our experience at Northwest Vista College in our strategic planning process as the basis for some of the things that I contributed to the book. And what we do is our strategic plan is five years. And we have a a big retreat every five years. And then we have a smaller retreat each year in that five-year period. And that's where we review the strategic plan. We update any strategic priorities. We update action steps. That's where we do that that, um, fine-tuning of of the strategic plan. But I think annually is, is a really good time period to review. And what is the board's responsibility to sort of spearheading and directing this, or is this uh, sort of a staff-directed initiative? I think it needs to be a partnership. I think there needs to be collaboration and and consensus in developing the strategic plan and in taking it through the strategic plan time period. But what if you're not in sync with your board? What if uh, you know, several of my listeners probably you know, are trying to rebuild their board or trying to get their board more active, but you know, the notion of a partnership today uh, may not be uh, something that is realistic. Does that mean there can't be a strategic plan? 
it means there had there may be some very um, interesting discussions but i think that there's there's always the potential for consensus and i think that it's important to listen to differing viewpoints and that's where the value of the retreat going away someplace and having someone you know work with you and talk through all the priorities and all the concerns that you want to raise and and bringing all of that together and bring having everybody in the room or everybody who should be at the table at the table for the planning, I think it's really important. Do you have to have an outside facilitator to make this work? Well, I think an outside facilitator can really add a lot to this. I've seen organizations do it without a facilitator, but I think you lose a lot when you don't use somebody from the outside because, first of all, the person is going to be more objective. They're not going to come in there with an already agenda in their head about what the way this day should go. And secondly, I think an outside facilitator helps keep people on track. I uh, witnessed one retreat where there was one very strong board member, and that board member just dominated the whole day, and nobody wanted to take up an opposing side because they had a great deal of respect for this board member. He was a pretty high-powered figure, and so everybody sort of backed down. Where an outside facilitator will keep that from happening and make sure that everybody is drawn into the conversation. The other thing that I think is important with using an outside facilitator is that it is someone who has experience with nonprofits. I recall once an organization that wanted to do a strategic plan, and one of the board members happened to be a CEO of a bank, and he said, well, I'll bring in the strategic planner from the bank, and he'll lead this retreat. And he was an excellent facilitator. However, he really had not done strategic planning for nonprofits. So some issues like the two that I mentioned earlier, board governance and fundraising, which seemed to be very big on most nonprofit organizations' agendas. Those two areas were something that a corporate strategic planner really didn't have much experience in because the role of the board in a for-profit is very different from the role of a board in a nonprofit. And, of course, a for-profit didn't have to do fundraising, so that was totally out of his purview. So I think you really need to choose your facilitator wisely but the facilitator, to me, can really do a lot. And now, as I said, you can do it without a facilitator that's from the outside, but I think you really need to be very careful if that happens to make sure that you do have somebody that doesn't come in there with their own agenda. And it's hard, for example, for the CEO to be a facilitator because the CEO should be a participant, and it's hard to play both roles. Lynn, you might have some different ideas on that because I think you've done some where you did not use an outside facilitator. That's right, Linda. We have uh, here at Northwest Vista, we use our vice president of college services, and she has facilitated our strategic planning retreats. However, we have a new president now, and he has decided that he's going to bring in an outside facilitator for our strategic planning that will happen in March. So, you know, I think... um, 
but I really agree pretty strongly with you that the outside facilitator is a very good way to go with strategic planning. And I think, and I've seen nonprofit organizations who use an outside facilitator, their their discussions seem to be more on track and they they can get more accomplished in a shorter amount of time, I think. So it's it's cost effective too. And just one hint for some of maybe we may have some small organizations on the on the show that are thinking, well gosh, we can't afford to hire an outside facilitator. You might be able to get someone to donate their services, maybe a board member from another organization that has done strategic planning, um, check with your local universities. They may have someone that will do it pro bono. Um, again, you just just make sure that that person does have experience with nonprofits and that they are truly objective when they come in there. Um, so I think there are some ways to do this economically. You don't have to spend a gazillion dollars to bring in an outside facilitator. But in, in getting someone that might be pro bono, you want to make sure that they are also committing some time to do some prep before the the uh, uh, the retreat, because without that, it really can be a waste of time for everyone. Right, absolutely. Right. Ladies, we have uh, sadly only eight minutes left, and I'd like to uh, ask each one of you to do two things for me, uh, to share one thing from the book that you uh, think people would not want to miss or uh, something that you think is particularly brilliant about the book, uh, and then uh, share with my listeners how they can reach you. Uh, let's start with Lynn, Lynn Dean. Well, Personally, I love the entire book, <laughs> and I learned a lot while I was writing it. And I think um, what really I came away with after writing the book is how really important it is to have a strategic plan. I particularly liked the parts about action steps because I think nonprofit organizations get really wrapped up in the visioning and really wrapped up in this is where we want to be, this is where we want to go, but they don't really pay enough attention to the action steps, the tra setting benchmarks, tracking who's going to be responsible for this, when are we going to have it done, and how much is it going to cost, how much is it going to raise. I think that that part of the book really is helpful, and I I feel like that is is one of the most important parts of the book, is really helping nonprofit organizations see how they can turn those ideas and that brainstorming, that visioning into practical action steps. And how can my listeners reach you? Um, you can reach me um, by email at um, lynn at deanofdevelopment.com. And I'm also on Twitter at, de at developmentdean. Terrific. And, and that's at Development Dean? Yes. Terrific. And Linda Lysikowski? Okay. There's so much in this book that um, I think is really valuable. But one of the things that to me is really critical, and it kind of goes along with what Lynn said, but that's who is going to monitor this plan because that's where another area where so many plans fail. There's no one person or group that is responsible for making sure that everything gets implemented. So we have some suggestions for setting benchmarks and making sure 
that someone is responsible to hold everyone's feet to the fire. So I think that, to me, is a, a big takeaway from this book. Um, the other thing that I think is, is critical, too, is we have a whole explanation of a lot of definitions about what's the difference between mission, vision, values. People get so confused with what's the difference between a goal and an objective and a strategy. So I think some definitions like that are really helpful, and we have a lot of practical examples of those things in the book. And how they, well, how they can reach you, but also, since I think you have all the details, if you can uh, be quite explicit, since the book is not yet published but will soon be published, how can uh, folks either pre-order it or be able to access this book? Okay, great. Well, to reach me, it's um, lindalizakowski.com is my website, and my email is linda at lindalizakowski.com. So if you can spell Lizakowski, <laughs> you're halfway there. Um, and I also am on Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, and LinkedIn, but all of those are linked through my website. Uh, to reach the book, the easiest way to do this is go to charitychannel.com. That's all one word, charitychannel.com. And under the bookstore, you'll see... a page that says coming soon and you'll be able to click on there and pre-order the book and you don't have your credit card charged until the book is actually shipped it should be out within the next month um, so that's the best way to pre-order the book or you can also keep watching Amazon if you're an Amazon shopper and you prefer to go that route but I think the charitychannel.com is a great way to pre-order it it can't be pre-ordered on Amazon well, that is uh, – thank you so much, uh, both of you, uh, not only for writing a very informative, easy-to-understand book about it's something that can oftentimes uh, either seem too burdensome or too complicated for nonprofits to actually undertake, and that's nonprofit strategic planning. So I, I really want to thank you for putting this together and for previewing it here. We've never had a preview of a book uh, before here on the Nonprofit Coach. We've had lots and lots of authors who have written really terrific books. Uh, but uh, to have this preview I think is really terrific because now everyone uh, who is uh, starting to think about strategic planning has a fresh off the, the press opportunity to go ahead and pre-order that at charitychannel.com. So uh, today our guests were Linda Lysakowski and Lynn Dean. Thank you very much for authoring this book and for being my guest here on The Nonprofit Coach. You've been listening to the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show with Ted Hart. Tell all your friends to check out our production schedule and download our iPod and iPad-friendly podcasts at tedhart.com. Thanks for listening to the Nonprofit Coach. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.